0: So you want to build a home studio. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOPreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOPreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Your number one marketing tool is your voiceover demos. When you're posting them online, you want to be sure they're playable on any device and with any browser. The Voiceamp player does exactly that. Sign up at msvo.me slash msvoicesam and receive three months of Voice Sam for the price of one. Sign up now at msvo.me slash msvoicesam. The Veopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday Veopreneur. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Viopreneur podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Now, this week, we're not specifically talking business in the traditional sense, but still absolutely relevant and essential to your business. We're going to talk a little bit about the home studio. Thanks so much for checking out another episode. Of course, remember, you can subscribe wherever fine podcasts are given away for free, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And Every episode of the podcast is available at Veopreneur.com. While you are on the website, by the way, click the shop button. Veopreneur.com, click the shop button. Pick up a t-shirt, pick up a hoodie. Let everybody know that you, too, are an everyday Veopreneur. So, guys, you know how when you're scrolling through Facebook, you can see your Facebook memories, and it shows you, on this day in history... And then you can scroll through your pictures or posts or whatever. Well, as I was getting ready to do this episode today, uh, I looked, was looking back through the, this day in history. And there was a picture of a delivery truck in my driveway. And that delivery truck was bringing lumber, drywall, insulation, and all the other various and assorted supplies that I was going to need to begin the work on my new studio. And that was one year ago, almost to to this day. And so that was one year ago today. And I thought, you know what? That would make a really interesting episode of the podcast. Let's look back at the process of building my studio and how I feel about that studio build one year later. And whether or not there's anything that I learned along the way. Because I know for some of you, building a studio is the ultimate goal, right? I worked for years in a spare bedroom. And in fact, before that, my first quote-unquote studio that I had set up on my own was in my living room. Wasn't even a studio whatsoever. It's a wonder that I ever booked any voiceovers recording out of it, but I did. And then ultimately, I moved to a different apartment, was able to get a two-bedroom place, set up a second bedroom as a studio space, but living in an apartment... I was very limited with what I could do. It's not like I could build anything. And I was even limited with what kind of modifications I could make because, you know, I lived in an apartment building. Now, fortunately, I had a really good relationship with the building superintendent and they allowed me to hang some panels and stuff like that. And I promised that when the time came for me to leave the building, I would make sure that everything was patched up. And so they were they were fine with that. And that's what I did. So I was able to hang some acoustic panels and things like that. And then I just had to go around and patch drywall uh, before I, I moved out. But when I moved into my house that I'm in now, when I got married in 2017 and moved into this home for the first, uh, let's say, I was I guess it was a little over a year. I was working out of a bedroom in the basement. Now it was old and it was smelly and it had ugly carpet and ugly wallpapers and It was not an enjoyable experience, but it sounded good and it worked for what I needed it to do until I was in a position where I was finally ready to build my home studio, the home studio that I had always dreamed about. And one of the things that I want to point out here, guys, is we're talking like 10 years of dreaming about finally being able to be in a situation where I could build that studio. And I'm not saying it's going to take you 10 years, but what I'm saying is if you don't have it right now, don't worry about it. You'll get there. You'll get there. You just got to be able to make a plan. So one year ago, the delivery truck arrived and construction began on the studio that I am in now. So there are a few things that I was taking into consideration before we even started the build. One of the things that I did right out of the gate was I called Uncle Roy and I said, look, I'm going to be building a studio. I want to have a separate booth. What do I need to take into consideration? What sort of things should I be thinking about? Because I can build stuff, but I'm not a studio guy. And so I wanted to make sure that I had some input from somebody who knew a whole lot more than I did. And that was why I reached out to Uncle Roy. And we talked about a few things. And one of the best suggestions that he gave me was putting an angled wall building my booth. So rather than building a box for a booth, I put an angled wall on my booth. And For those of you that have seen pictures, you you know what I'm talking about. I can post a picture in the show notes for this episode as well. But that was one of the things that I wanted to take into consideration. What do I have to do to get good sound out of this studio space that I'm building? One of the other things that I wanted to take into consideration was I'm going to be spending a lot of time here. And so I wanted to make sure that there was something that was comfortable. So when I got at the basement, the very first thing that my wife and I did was we took this empty space. It was literally a concrete floor, uh, two concrete walls because there's two exterior walls. And then there was a partially framed wall on one side and then open on the other end. So like literally stripped back to the floor joists and wall studs, so to speak. And we went to the dollar store and we bought a whole bunch of painter's tape, that, that green painter's tape. And I had come up with some designs. I found a free app online that allowed me to do some drawings to scale and, and uh, posted. I actually posted some of those as well. You can see those if you go to facebook.com slash voiceover. But I came up with a general idea of what I wanted it to look like. And then we took the painter's tape and we laid it out on the floor. So I measured, OK, this is where my booth is going to be. This is how big my booth is going to be. And we taped the outline on the floor of my booth. And then I knew how big my desk was going to be. So we actually taped an outline on the floor of where I thought the desk was going to go. And I knew where I wanted the TV to go. And I knew where I wanted some shelving to go and just different things like that. And so we taped everything out on the floor. And then I was able to walk through it and really get a sense of the flow path of it. So I think that before you do anything, if you're visual like I am, that is absolutely something that is worth it. Tape it out on the floor, anticipate furniture and, and location of things. And it's going to give you a really good sense of how the space is going to look when it's done. The other reason why I wanted to do this is because it was helping me with wiring. So when I knew where my desk was going to go, I knew where outlets needed to go. When I knew where the TV was going to go, I knew when, where outlets needed to go. If I knew where one of the shelves was going to go in my office, I knew that I didn't want an outlet to be behind that big bookcase because obviously it becomes inaccessible at that point. So there's several different advantages in doing that, considering that flow path and and taping things out and really getting a sense of how the room is going to flow together. Now, we have a pretty big basement, and we don't really have a lot of plans for the basement. So I was very fortunate that I was able to build a really nice space for myself. So my studio is probably about... I think it's about 25 or 26 by 12. So 25 feet long and and about 12, that's 12 or 13 feet across, I think. So it's a a pretty good size space. And so it made it even more important that we anticipated where everything was going to go so that we could have a really nice flow path and so that I could wire everything accordingly. So that's the very first thing that you need to consider. Consider the flow path and the layout. Get that painter's tape. Draw some lines. Figure out whether or not this is going to work. In conjunction with that, like we talked about, you gotta anticipate all of your wiring. So yes, you're gonna think about where your outlets should go, and you're probably gonna think about where your light switches are gonna go, but what about the rest of it? So I installed the TV, and because I was installing that TV, I wanted to make sure that I ran coax through the wall in order to be able to hook up to a satellite dish eventually. I also ran Cat6 cable, the wall because i have an apple tv and now i have a smart tv and so rather than connecting those wirelessly i wanted to be able to hardwire those into my internet system so i ran cat 6 cable and then because the tv was going to be mounted up on the wall and i didn't want to have to have cables running all over the place i put an outlet on the wall behind where the tv was going to go so those are things that i was anticipating When I got a sense of how my booth was going to get laid out, that also made it easier for me to determine, okay, where do I need to put cat six cables and all of that sort of stuff? I haven't built it yet, but part of one of the areas of my studio was designed for me to be able to shoot video. And that meant anticipating lighting. And so even though the lights are not hung yet, because I still, you know, I'm still, this is still a work in progress, but I put an outlet in the ceiling, which would allow me to install proper photography or video lighting down the road. And then there's a light switch on the wall there that will control that outlet that is in the ceiling. So I knew that I was going to get there. I didn't know when that was going to happen, but I knew it was coming eventually. And so I was able to anticipate that in the design. And I was able to run all the wiring for that accordingly. Something else you got to think about How are you going to connect your office computer to your booth? Now, a lot of people build a booth and they bring their computer inside with them. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have to have my computer inside of the booth because I was building a really big office space. So I did a lot of research and what I ended up doing was running a whole lot of Cat6. And then I found a system that allows me to convert Cat6 to USB. So there's a USB port in my booth and that's what my interface plugs into. And then there is a Cat6 run through the wall and then another USB converter out in the main office space and that is what connects to my computer. So um, I actually have my my monitor in my booth is run HDMI over Cat6 and then my interface is in my booth and it is run USB over Cat6. Uh, but I had to, again, anticipate all of that up front so that I could figure out where things needed to go and how much that I needed to run. And then one of the other things that I really want to strongly uh, encourage you with is future-proofing. So right now, I'm only using two things in my booth. I have my monitor, HDMI over Cat6, and I have my interface, USB over Cat6. But I actually ran six runs of Cat6 just in case. When you buy a big... 500-foot roll of Cat6, I think I actually ended up buying a 1,000-foot box of it. Like, it doesn't cost you anything to put an extra few uh, runs in just in case. I would estimate, all told, in my office, uh, I probably spent about $750 in wiring and cabling. And that is everything. That's buying the outlets, buying the switch plates, buying the light switches, buying the wiring to to run the electrical, buying the Cat6, buying all of the adapters and Fittings and ends, and everything that I needed to hook up all the Cat 6. But again, I'm building a pretty large office space here. But you absolutely need to anticipate all of your wiring. Where is the computer going to plug in? Where is the lamp going to plug in? Where are our plugs going to be required in the booth? Where is the TV going to plug in? How many plugs are you going to need around your TV? Because maybe you're going to have your TV and you're going to have a streaming box and you're going to have your soundbar, and then you're going to have a satellite box or whatever. So trying to anticipate all of your wiring. The other thing that I would strongly encourage you with, don't cheap out. This was 10 years in the making for me, right? I, I've, I've been waiting a long time to finally get into a space that was the space that I've been dreaming of. It's where I earn my living, and it's where I spend the vast majority of my day. You know, if you read magazines, like I love reading Entrepreneur Magazine and I love reading Fast Company. And when you read those magazines, you see these office spaces that are just ridiculous, like huge ceilings and windows and bright colors and pool tables and video game systems and nap areas and whatever, like everything, right? Because this is the kind of places that they're creating now for an office building. It's no longer just about, you know, fluorescent lights and cubicles. This is where you are going to be earning your living. This is where you're going to be spending your day and having an amazing space is going to help you do those things. Because if you have a really ugly office space, you're not going to want to be there. When I was working out of the old bedroom in my house, the one I talked about earlier in the episode, you know, the one with the smelly carpet and everything, I did not want to spend time in that space. I I went there to record, but that was about it. I didn't want to have anything to do with it because it was not an enjoyable space to be. So. You need to create a space that is inviting. You need to create a space that is comfortable. You need to create a space that has good flow and good energy. It needs to be a space where you want to spend time. And in order to do those things, you don't want to cheap out. Maybe that means you got to put it off for a little bit longer. Maybe that means you got to make some sacrifices in some other areas in the short term. But recognizing that the better space that you build for yourself the greater your earning potential out of it is ultimately going to be because you're going to want to be there. You got to remember, this is a big investment in your business. It's, it's no different than buying a demo or demos or investing in equipment or investing in conferences and that sort of stuff. This is another investment in your business. And so you have to take that into consideration. It did mean for me that I had to save a little bit of extra money. Um, it definitely meant that I spent a little bit more than what I had originally budgeted. But in the end, it was worth every dime because now I have a place that I want to be. And if you've seen pictures of it or I've you know, posted videos of the space in the past, it's an incredibly comfortable space. It's an incredibly bright space. Yes, I have a 40 inch TV up on the wall and I can stream Netflix or I can watch my satellite dish and Yes, I've got a really comfy recliner because sometimes I just want to sit in the recliner in silence and just think and be. Sometimes I just want to sit and read. Sometimes my wife or one of my kids likes to just come and just sit in the recliner and just hang out with me. We don't even talk to each other. Like My youngest will sit in the recliner and play with my Mr. Potato Heads that I have because she just wants to hang out here. And so I've created this really beautiful space that I enjoy being in. And I did that because I didn't cheap out. Now, I know the number one question on your mind, and it's, it's a question that I get asked all the time. What about budget? I'll be honest with you, I probably didn't track the budget as tightly as I should have, but part of the reason for that is because at the time that we were building this studio space, we were actually finishing an entire half of our basement. So there's another entire 25 foot by 13 foot room It was getting mostly finished at the same time. I can also say that I saved a lot of money because I was able to do a lot of the work myself. I also had help from my dad and I had help from my father-in-law. We did the framing. We did the wiring. We did all the insulating. Uh, I did all the Cat6 installation myself, watching YouTube videos. I learned how to do it. And, you know, we hung all the drywall. The only thing I hired a contractor for was for mudding and taping drywall. I will do a lot of home renovation projects. I will not mud and tape drywall. It is an art form and I do not have the ability. I also had to hire a contractor to, to lay the carpeting. Uh, so I did have to hire a contractor for those two things. But all told, I would guess that I'm into this studio for probably between ten dollars and $12,000. I'm guessing. Now, keeping in mind that that was from scratch, that was, I had to buy the two by fours. I had to buy the insulation. I had to buy the drywall, the paint, the carpet, all of the electrical, like every part of the finishings and all of that. And it's a 25 by 13 ish space. So it's a good size space, but I'm guessing all told that I'm probably into it for about 10 to $12,000. And I absolutely do not regret one dime that I spent on this space. This is my job. This is my office. This is where I go to work and I needed something that was going to be great, something that I was going to want to work in. So all of that being said, I've been in it for a year now. And I thought, is there anything that I would change? Is there anything that I would go back and do differently If I had the opportunity to go back and do it differently and as much planning as as I did put into building this space at the same time. I probably didn't put in enough because there were a lot of things that I just hadn't thought about originally and so I was making a lot of quick decisions trying particularly with wiring. I was making a lot of quick decisions because we were trying to get things done before the drywalling crew came in. So one year later, looking back, what would I do differently? The first thing that I would say that I would do differently, I decided that the easiest thing to do at the time was to run Cat6 cable to connect my booth to my main office area. So the Cat6 goes through the wall in my booth, across the ceiling, in my office area and then down the one wall in my office area into a a wall jack where there's multiple CAT6 hookups for all the different things. I thought that was gonna be the easiest. Uh, I thought it was probably gonna be the cheapest. And because I was able to find solutions that did USB and HDMI over CAT6, I thought that makes the most sense because I can run a whole lot of it. And technically speaking, you're not supposed to run HDMI cable through the walls and I wouldn't have been able to get a long enough HDMI cable at the time anyway because it's probably about a 50-foot run by the time you go up the wall and across the ceiling and down and whatever. So that was why I decided to do Cat6. The one major problem that I ran into was my Yamaha AGO3, which is the interface that I used at the time. That interface does not work on USB over Cat6 and I didn't know that until everything was entirely done, built, and finished. So I had tested for signals and different things like that, but I hadn't actually run the equipment to see, which was also probably one of the stupider things that I did. Now, the end result of that was I had to buy a Scarlett 2i2, and I put that 2i2 in my booth, and it does run USB over Cat 6. No issues whatsoever. I'm just not as big of a fan of the Scarlett as I am of my HE-03. So the one thing that I would say that I would do differently is rather than running my interface over the Cat6, I would probably run XLR cable through the wall and almost run a snake. So like you would see in a, in a studio, if you, you went to a studio, right, run the XLR cable through, have a, three or four mic hookups or whatever inside of the booth and then have that all go through the wall and then keep my interface out at my desk. So I probably would have decided to run XLR instead of taking a chance on the USB over Cat 6. Now, like I said, the Scarlett works fine. It's how I'm recording right now, and I haven't had any issues since, but that's one thing that I probably would have done differently. The other thing, and this is gonna seem like a small one, but it actually ends up being a big one, and I don't know why I didn't anticipate this in the beginning. I knew where exactly where my desk was going to go in my main office space. And because I'm a little bit anal about certain things, I needed to know that the outlets were going to be perfectly centered behind my desk. It's just one of those little quirks, one of those little idiosyncrasies. And so, I knew that I was going to have a couple of electrical outlets and I also knew that there was going to be the outlet for my HDMI and I also knew that there was going to be the outlet for my Cat 6 hookups. And so, I drew everything out and built those outlets so that they were centered behind my desk. I really wish I hadn't done that because now I've got all of these cables that run straight behind, like literally directly behind where my chair is. And so if I lean back too hard in my chair or I push back from my desk too hard in my chair, uh, sometimes I have a tendency to hit some of the cables and I've knocked them out before, which is really annoying. So... As stupid as that sounds, it's one of the things that if I had to do over again, all of the outlets actually would have gone to one side of the desk to prevent that from happening. These are little things that you would never think about up front until you actually get into the design and build process. And then one of the other things that I would do differently is I would actually put in a couple of extra outlets. And even though I had the design and I had the flow path laid out of of how the office was going to work, And where the furniture was going to go. And I positioned my outlets according to where the furniture was going to go. The reality is that sometimes you move furniture. Sometimes you get new furniture. Sometimes you change the look of your office. And now I don't necessarily have plugs everywhere where I want or need to have plugs. And that was definitely a little bit of an oversight on my part. Which, again, it comes back to anticipating all of your wiring. I think that overall, I'm very happy with what I've created. It absolutely works for me. I have a nice booth. I have a comfortable booth. I have super good sound in my booth. Uncle Roy has complimented me on the sound of my booth. Cliff Zellman has listened to my audio and told me how good it sounds and how impressed he is with the sound of my booth. So I'm super happy with all of that. I have a very functional space. I don't have to have computers inside of my booth. I do have a wireless mouse and a wireless keyboard. I can move them into the booth if I need to. And I can have, I've got a uh, 27-inch monitor hanging, or sorry, a uh, 24-inch monitor, I think, hanging on the bo- uh, in the booth in front of me. And that monitor, by the way, this is something else that you want to anticipate. That monitor is on a wall mount that I can move. So I can put the monitor up if I'm doing work and I want to stand. And then I can lower the monitor down if I'm doing like long form narration, for example, and I would much rather sit. So that was one of the things that I had anticipated successfully. So overall, I am super happy with the way that things have turned out. Looking back on this studio build one year later, there's not anything super major that I would have done different. But a lot of that goes into the amount of planning that took place on the front end. I do think that you don't need to overthink the work that you're doing if you are building a booth. So, uh, my booth, for example, is built with two by four framing, and it has Roxul insulation. I did put in the angled wall. Like I said, I have two one foot by four foot panels and two one foot by one foot panels right in front of me. Uh, So that's what I face and I have two cloud panels hanging from the ceiling over top of me and the floor is carpeted and that's it. Um, You know, we talk about, well, it's got to be disconnected from the foundation and it's got to be this and it's got to be that. And meanwhile, like we're recording in hotel rooms under ironing boards with blankets and pillows. Like, really? If you can record there and that's good enough, stop overthinking your home studio. Two by fours. Roxel. Drywall, some carpet, a few panels, an angled wall, and done. And it sounds fantastic. And everybody that has listened to it has said so. So you don't need to overthink that side of things. I don't think, anyway. Now, I am in the basement. I am on a quiet street. Um, I have one exterior wall behind me, and that is concrete. But other than that, the other three walls are not exterior. I don't get a lot of noise. I did insulate the ceiling above me. So that has helped to reduce some of the noise from, you know, people running around upstairs or whatever. And I did put in the resilient channel, um, which straps to your floor joists and then your drywall hangs on the resilient channel. That helps with the sound as well. But, uh, you know, I didn't go crazy. I really hope that you guys will have the opportunity to get into a space like this one day. If it's not somewhere where you already are, it's something that you can anticipate. It's something that you can look forward to. And like I said, consider the flow path, map it out with tape, measure everything, anticipate all of your wiring and don't cheap out. Don't cheap out. One year later, I am still working every day in this booth. I am still working every day in my office. I love the space that I've created for myself. I couldn't be happier. And my income has gone up. And you might say that that's ridiculous that your income would go up as a result of your space. But I'm telling you straight up, my income has gone up as a result of my space because I now have a space that I want to spend time in. I now have a space that I enjoy working in. And so that means that I do work a little bit more, work a little bit harder. And it doesn't bother me because I'm comfortable. I will post a few pictures of the space in the show notes to this episode for those of you that are anticipating and thinking about, hey, maybe it's going to be time to build a booth really soon. But my number one piece of advice before you dive in, don't go onto the Facebook groups and start asking questions on the Facebook groups because that is only going to confuse you. You are going to get a thousand opinions from a thousand different people, and most of them are not experts. Most of them are going to tell you what they did, but that doesn't tell you whether or not it is right or wrong, and that's why I think if you're getting into a position where you are ready to build a studio booth for yourself, build a recording booth with an office or whatever, just skip the Facebook groups and go straight to consulting somebody who's smarter than you. Talk to somebody like Uncle Roy. Get him to give you a little bit of insight. Share with him what you're thinking about doing. Get his opinion. Talk to somebody like George Whittem. Talk to somebody like Dan Leonard. Just go straight to the pros. It's going to be a lot easier for you because you're not going to get too much advice. You're just going to get good advice. And when the build is done, then you can go on the Facebook groups because I'd love to see a picture of the space that you're working in. Guys, thanks so much for checking out another episode of the Everyday Veopreneur podcast. Remember, never miss another episode by subscribing at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or listen to any episode anytime online at Veopreneur.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Veopreneur podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Your number one marketing tool is your voiceover demos. When you're posting them online, you want to be sure they're playable on any device and with any browser. The Voice Sam player does exactly that. Sign up at msvo.me slash msvoicesam and receive three months of Voice Sam for the price of one. Sign up now at msvo.me slash msvoicesam. And see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Veopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.